All right, I'd like to open today with a scripture. This is from Proverbs 3 and also 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It'll be on the screen. It says this, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor both with God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we have instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's just get right into it. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is David. I'm a, a, a drummer today and a host, and I get to sing a little bit. And more than anything, I'm just thrilled to be able to share from the scriptures today. Um, for the past month, we have been in a series talking about the good life God has for us, specifically through his priority and practice of rest, a priority that has been in place since the very beginning of creation and practiced since God freed his people from captivity in the Exodus. Check this out. It's, it's the command from God in Exodus chapter 20 regarding rest. God speaking to his people who were former slaves under the hand of the Egyptian empire, and now they are making their way to a new life, a new lifestyle, and in it God is saying, I know this might sound crazy, but the good life I am giving you is this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested, that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. And can you just imagine for a moment the context for where we're hearing this? The context for Genesis was education for God's people who were now freed from captivity in Egypt. Genesis was written after the Exodus. Isn't that crazy? Many of you didn't know. Um, and so just imagine for a second hearing this incredible news and what it would have been like for these former slaves. I think for some of us today, we hear this passage and we might hear this command uh, to rest as restrictive, like, man, I got all this stuff to do. And, but could you imagine what this would have been like for people, for a nation of slaves? Their God who just saved them is now saying, you are no longer just tools to get work done. Now you're, you're my people. You're my people, and I love you. I know this. I know you might be used to working, God is saying, but, but I'm, I, I know what's best for you, and so I'm commanding you to rest. God says, just like I took a break after six days, I'm now instructing you to do the same. Work hard, stop, look back, call it good. This is the good life from Exodus 20. Now, could you imagine, again, just how disorienting this would have been for them to relearn what it meant to be a human being? 
to relearn what it meant to be a person, to strip back all that cultural understanding of work and meaning and purpose now that they're free. Totally wild. But this is God's heart for the world. This is God's heart for you and, and for me, that we would all find rest. And this rest from Exodus chapter 20, it's rooted um, all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. But this priority actually comes from two different Hebrew words, and we've talked about this over the past month. Words that come together to form the concept of Sabbath. And these words are, on the screen, Shabbat and Nuach. Shabbat and Nuach. Shabbat, which means to stop, literally just cease doing work. This is what we see in Exodus 20. You work, then you stop, you look back, you call it good. This is, this is the Shabbat. The second definition for rest that we find later in Exodus and also Matthew 11 that we'll read in a minute is this word nuach, and it's a bit more complicated because this is what you choose to do after you stop. This is how you choose to settle into your stopping. It means to be settled into rest. And nuach, this word, it implies presence. It implies choosing to be present with God and with others in your stopping. And that's what we see Jesus calling his community into in Matthew chapter 11. Let me read this for you. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, nuach, presence. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find nuach, rest, presence for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And, and once again, I, I just, I have to stop because God just outdoes himself with goodness again and again in these scriptures. It's not just that God has given you permission to stop, right? It's not just like, hey guys, if you need to, you can take a break and rest. He's actually saying, come to me and I will give you the rest. Come to me and I will show you. Take, take my way upon you. Settle into my presence and you will find the good life. I will give you rest, Matthew 11. Let me teach you how to get there. I want to show you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And I, and I just love that, that Jesus here isn't giving you a vacation from the real world. He isn't just offering relief from the exhaustion of yesterday for today. He wants to invest in your today so you might have a more sustainable tomorrow. This is the pattern of rest we see. Jesus, he wants to show you the best way to live. It's not just for heaven. Later, it's for heaven today, and he wants to lead you there. He wants to show you the good life. God is good, amen? Amen. amen. And that's where we've been. If you've missed it, go back and check it out on the podcast or on the live stream, because today we're going to be finishing up this conversation about the practice of rest. And in it, I'd like to talk primarily about what comes next after the rest is found? We've spent a lot of time talking about getting there. Spent a lot of time defining terms about what rest is and why we need to embrace this practice. A couple weeks ago, we talked about three main things. That we embrace the practice of rest first because God commands it. And that should be enough for us. If God says it, we do it. But then he actually, he, he gives us another reason. It's because Jesus instructs us. It's not just like, hey, go and rest, figure out how to do it. Jesus is like, no, let me show you how to do it. So God commands it. One, Jesus instructs it. Two, he invites us into it. And then third, uh, we do this because it's just good for us. God made us to need rest, just like he made us to need him. And so we've covered a lot of ground over the month of January, but we haven't really touched about what happens after we rest. 
what comes, what comes next and what rest prepares us for, or maybe how we're to operate and exist and work emerging from that place of presence with God and others. Because, friends, the good life with God, it includes both. It is designed, the good life is designed to be cyclical. Just like you were made for rest, the reality is you weren't made to only rest. You were also made to do work. Exodus 20, six days on, one day off. It's this predictable pattern that we see laid out from God in the scriptures. A regular rhythm in your life for work and rest. Work, rest. This is the good life. Which I think, if we're honest, is likely different than what many of us have experienced out in our everyday lives. At least I, I know that it was for me. For most of my life, I have typically seen life less as a rhythm of practices and more like a road of responses. Does that make sense? Like, life is a highway, I'm gonna ride it all night long, and that's just what I did. I saw life as linear, you know, where you have this starting point, and then you go, and you go, and you go, and then you find, like, an off-ramp when you need it or when you can find it to fill up, to rest a little bit, and then what do you do? You get back on that road, and you just keep on going and going. And this is life until you run out of road. This is my understanding. But friends, it seems, as we've been processing this over the month of January, it seems like the way God structures life in the scriptures, it appears far more like um, an expedition. Follow me on this metaphor for a second. I was trying to think of a, a metaphor, but this is the best I got. Life, according to God, feels far more like an expedition than like a freeway. Meaning that God doesn't want you to just go and go and go, chasing the horizon from your starting point until you die. No, you, you weren't made to be nomadic. God wants you to have a foundation. He wants you to have a home base, an anchor that connects you, and a refuge to return to, both physically and in your heart and mind. So God wants you to go out from rest to explore this expedition of the world. He wants you to go out and explore and create and make sense of things, but then he wants you to Shabbat, to stop, and to come back home to be present with him and with others. And this is the rhythm that we see in Sabbath. One more time. Go out, do good work, come back home, delight in all you've done with him and with others. Life is not just rest. Life is not just work. It's this pattern, this cyclical pattern, this lifestyle from heaven practiced and modeled by God that he calls the Sabbath. And this is the good life that God is calling us to that we've been processing now for the past four weeks. The good life. Yeah. But why? Um, as I was thinking about this today, I was like, why, why would God care so much about this pattern, this regular installment on our schedule? Like, why does God command it and instruct it beyond it just being good for us as human beings and not human doers, I guess? Well, if you're taking notes today, and this is just where I want to park for the rest of our time. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I believe that there are two main reasons why God wants us to come back home regularly within a regular schedule to find rest with him and with others. And it's first, it's because rest reminds us who we are and second, rest prepares us for what we'll do. Rest reminds us of who we are, and it prepares us 
for what we'll do. Let's break this down. Starting with how rest reminds us with who we are, our identity, our identity. So believe it or not, friends, while it might seem like we are in control of our lives and we have agency over who we are and who we're becoming, the reality is we are being formed every single day, all day, by all sorts of external sources of influence working to win our hearts and minds over to their cause. And some of this influence that's hitting us all day, every day, is really positive. Some of it is really destructive, but all of it coming at us shapes our understanding of what's true. It shapes our understanding of what's real, what's right and wrong, what's just and fair, what's fun, and what's possible. And this is life. We are being formed, whether we know it or not, by what we experience most and by what we choose to welcome into our lives. And tell me, where practically, where do we practically spend most of our lives? At church? Anybody? Anybody spend most of their time reading their Bible or hearing from God in prayer? Anybody spend most of their time with their families? creating these amazing present moments? No, the reality is most of us spend the majority of our waking moments out in the world working at something. Working at something. And that's cool because work is good. This is what we found out. Work is good. It's a good thing. But it's likely that our culture and social norms of where we spend most of our time out in the world, they're not always in line with what God says is best for us. And that time out in the world, it shapes us on and off the clock, it forms us and tells us who we are, whether we know it or not. The reality is you become like who you choose to trust. You're formed by where you spend the most time. For example, and if this isn't already abundantly obvious in our own lives, I remember when I got my first job. I was 14 years old. Did anyone get a job before 14? Yeah, a couple? All right, Rod, I see that. Where were you at? Yeah, that tracks, for sure. Okay, cool. A much more noble job than mine. I got my first job as a sandwich artist at Subway. Okay. <laughs> Proud sandwich artist from here to heaven. Worked after school a couple days a week. I got my first paycheck. I think it was like 30 bucks because I was making $4 an hour. Anyone remember minimum wage back then? Anyway, from there, um, after my sandwich artist days, um, I started working summers as a roofer and a carpet installer before taking a job at a daycare. And listen, all of these experiences help refine me. These are good things. Work is good. It helped refine me and grow me and shape me while I was still living at home with my folks. And I would wake up, you know, I would go to school, and then I would go to work, and then I'd come home. Always coming back, though, to a place where I knew who I was. I was a son, Right? But then I was probably 22 years old and I got a job waiting tables at TGI Fridays and I finally had enough money to move out of the house with some friends to go make life, right? To go and make a life and grow up and find myself. And I did it. I learned a lot in that season. But then one day, um, this new guy at work, his name was Josh, and he had cool hair and a big personality. And after a shift, he stopped me and he said, hey, David, I, I want to bring you in on an exciting opportunity. I said, I said, I like, I like exciting opportunities. I said, and he said, I'm starting up this business where you can make a lot of money for very little work, and I'd love to tell you all about it. And I'm like, yeah, you're cool, man. Money for doing very little, let's do it. And so I show up at this house one day, and uh, 
one day after work, and there were like 20 other people there, and they were all jazzed about making a lot of money for very little work. And so then this guy, right, he stands up in the living room, and he starts talking to me about this loophole he found in the telecommunications system, and how they figured out a way to cut out the middleman from phone companies and go straight to the providers. And he said, all you got to do is buy into this company and then get your family and friends to do the same. And for every one of them that signs up, you get this money. It's easy, free money, right? And I'm like, I don't know about this. It didn't feel quite right to me. But then there were all these folks around me, right? All these folks around me being like, yeah, free money. And so I got, got talked into it because it sounded normal, right? If it sounded normal to everyone else, it must be okay. Let me repeat that back. As you think, as you think about your own days, if it sounds normal to everyone else, it must be okay, right? Y'all, it was totally a pyramid scheme, okay? <laughs> and I got suckered in. And I remember, and I'm not usually that gullible, but I love, I, I'm just kind of, sometimes I go with the flow. Anyway, and I remember bringing it all back around to this concept of formation and work and rest and identity. I remember going to my folks after I signed up for this thing, and I was like, like I was reading from a script with them. I was like, hi, mom and dad. So you have a phone. Let me tell you about an exciting opportunity to make some free money. And they, they were like, David, David. They said, David, this is totally a scam. And this isn't who you are. This isn't who you are. I think we raised you better than that. And you know what? They were right. They were right, but the further I went from home, both physically and metaphorically, the farther I ventured out on the road of life, away from my anchor, right? Away from my family where I was reminded every single day who I was. The farther I went, the easier it was to forget. I don't know if anyone's ever been there, where you almost have two worlds that you occupy. The farther I, I got, the easier it was to be shaped and formed and manipulated into believing all sorts of stupid things, just ridiculous things about work and life and right and wrong. You tracking here? Yeah, 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 I know you are. I know it's also a dumb story, but it's true. The farther we get from home, from the place that we find our purpose and our identity, our family, our people, the place that we find our truth, the farther we get, the easier it is for us to compromise. The farther we get down that road, the easier it gets to lose sight of who we really are. Who we really are. But that begs the question, who are we really? I think that maybe some of you here today, you're like, I, yeah, that makes sense, but I, I don't even know who I am. So let me just fill you in. Let me tell you who you are. If you are a Christian, then you are a child of God created in his image to be like him. This means your home base is heaven and your refuge of rest is the kingdom of God. Your identity is that of a son or a daughter in his house with his rules and his expectations for what is good and normal and right. This is who you are and where you belong. This is your starting point for all you do. You find life here. You find meaning here, and then you go out from here to explore. You work hard, doing good things, before coming back to find rest with God and others, and then being reminded again and again of who you are. 
This is the rhythm of Sabbath that we see in the scriptures and why it's so essential for us to adopt as his people, because without it, even with the best of intentions, friends, even with the greatest disciplines, we all get suckered into believing stupid things. We all get suckered into falling for a lesser vision for life. We will forget who we are. We will forget who we are and what God cares about without rest. But when we find it, and when we return to God in Sabbath, we are reminded every single week. Who needs it every week? Who needs it every day? We are reminded every week where we belong and our true identity. Which is exactly what we see in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Adam and Eve, they find their identity in being present with God in creation. They were given identity in God's presence. Check this out. It'll be on the screen from Genesis 1, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings, which is you, okay? Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on the ground, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. This is who they were because God said so. And they knew it. They knew it because they were constantly being reminded. They were constantly being told as they spent time at home with God, as they rested in his presence. And this is it, friends. Rest reminds you who you are. Coming home helps us remember what's real about God and others, and it gives us the fortitude, the courage to go back out into the world, a world at odds with our given identity by God, to go with integrity as we carry his image of the God that we've been given. Friends, rest reminds us who we are. Without it, we will forget. And that's first. Rest reminds us who we are, our given identity. Which brings us to the second piece, which is a bit more practical, and that is this. Rest and where we find it, where we decide to call home, it prepares us for what we'll do out in the world. It prepares us for the activity assigned to us. Identity into activity. Rest recalibrates our true identity so we can faithfully go and live on God's behalf. Now, what does that mean? Because I get that we are all made to do stuff. I just said this, like, you're like, okay, cool, I got that. We're made to do it, and we're made to do it on God's behalf, Genesis 1 and 2. But okay, what is our actual role and intention for doing this in the world? Good question. Let's check out what they say in Genesis 1 after, after God assigned identity to humanity. He decided to give them purpose in what's called the Edenic Mandate, and it'll be on the screen starting in verse 28. The first commissioning from God. It says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for the wild animals, all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. So back to the question of purpose, activity. What is the work that we have been given? A couple things. We have been told to fill and govern and reign over the entirety of creation. From the earth to the sky and everything in between, we are to go out from rest 
working hard to make sense of the world, bringing order to the chaos of creation on God's behalf. In all things, let me say that one more time, for anyone looking for an excuse, in all things, we are to go out on God's behalf. There is nothing off limits from God's rule and reign, nor is the mandate he gave us to partner with him in it. From gardening, to conservation, to education, family planning, working at Disney World, to being a single parent, banking, finance, systems, science, sports, government, entertainment, safety, making incredible coffee, and even better pastries. In all things, friends, we have been created to carry his image of goodness. In everything, as a grandparent, as a retiree, as a student, as someone still trying to make sense of the world, we are in all things made to carry his image of goodness out into the world and to participate in the work like he would. This is what you're made for. You were created to know God and then to go out and work on God's behalf to care for the world and all who call it home so the world might know God through your work. And I'm going to say this one more time, and I'm going to say it slow, and I need to hear an amen afterwards, because I know there's someone in the back that's scrolling and thinking about lunch afterwards, because the, the clock is going. Okay, I get this. So I'm just going to say it again. I'm almost done. But this is the key thing, if you're taking notes. This is it. This is why we rest, and this is why you're alive, friends. You were created to know God first, and then go and work like God would on God's behalf to care for the world, to care for the world and all who call it home so that world might know God through your work. Amen. This is the assignment. Amen. I forgot. I said, you go, amen, everyone. Come on. Amen. This is the assignment. And again, why it's so essential that we don't find rest at a wayside, that we don't find rest a thousand miles from home or 200 exits down the road. Because the rest True rest is where God is. And if we're, if we're to be who we're created to be, we need to be constantly reminded of who we are. And that can only happen in his present rest. Rest with God prepares us. It empowers us. It equips us and encourages us for what we'll do as we go. It focuses us on what's true and what it means to carry God's image out in the world. A world that, again, is desperately trying to form you into its own image. And this is why rest matters. Without it, we're vulnerable, we're forgetful, and we're prone to making really dumb decisions. Anyone ever make a dumb decision? Rest isn't just about recovering from exhaustion. It's about the investment God wants to make in your life by showing you the way to the best life can be and how to get there. And friends, we need wisdom along the way. We need wisdom from God and from one another. We need a counterformation. I know this might sound like a weird, like, conspiracy vibe, but it's not. It's just the reality. Like, we're all being formed, and as the church, we need a counterformation in our lives. Something to stop all of the influence, all the input coming at us. And that is a regularly scheduled time to be together, to rest, and to experience God, where our hearts and minds can be reset to what God says is true. We need it. Without it, we will never find the good life. 
and we'll always be living with compartments, with one foot in and one foot out. Which is exactly what we saw in our opening scripture and exactly why it's so important from Proverbs 3 and 1 Thessalonians 4. I just want to read it one more time. Where it says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. We need a counterformation, friends. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying, the good life. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Do you see how this connects back to our mandate, right? To know God, to be with God, and to go out. Then you will find favor with God and people, it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. And I think this next passage, just as we close, this just hits me so hard. It says, make it your life goal. Make it a goal to live a quiet life. What would it be like if it was our if it was our goal as a, as a church family to live quiet lives, minding our own business and working with our hands, just as we were instructed to before. Then people, it says, who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others because we aren't living in two worlds. We're focused with integrity. We know who we are, and we know what we are assigned this is the good life. And this is the life that we discover as we rest in him. As we hear from him every single week. As we live with loyalty and kindness. As we're reminded to trust the Lord with all we are and not depend on our own understanding. As we cease being impressed with our own wisdom. I tell you what, sometimes I feel like I've got some good advice, y'all. And I need, in my own life, for someone to say to me, David, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and follow his way. Then you will find favor with God and people. And, and I just love this, because in our life, like, we're just getting blasted over and over and over again to make something of your life. But what if our greatest in intent was simply to live a quiet life, to work hard with integrity, it says, then people who are not believers will respect us. And this is what rest prepares us for, friends. To be who we're created to be so the world might see God in us. Amen. Now, over the past couple weeks, as, we've, as we close real quick, I'm hurrying. Over the past couple weeks, um, I've given you some pretty specific take-home practices to be able to step into this. I know, like, starting with scheduling your stop, put it on your calendar. When are you going to stop and be present? cool. From there, I asked, uh, we talked about becoming more present and asking a few questions along the way um, about the things that you've seen. Then last week, we talked about becoming more grateful by thanking God for the things that you saw. And so it's scheduling your stop. It's taking a look around. Fix, what does it say? Fix your thoughts on the things above, okay? So it's scheduling your stop, fixing your thoughts, and then thanking God, being a people of gratitude in reply. And I don't know if anyone actually did this. Um, I've been doing it, and I've been working through this, but, and I tell you what, just the simple practice of scheduling time off has completely transformed my ability to focus, my ability to take a look around and remember what I see, scheduling my stop, 
putting my phone away, staying away from social media, and, and productivity has been a gift to me. But then, because of this, moving into being more present and grateful, y'all, I can't even tell you of all the things I've noticed over the past few weeks with my kids and Rebecca, and how much more hopeful I've been as I've just said thank you to God for everyday normal things. Yesterday we went out um, to Pasadena and we got a great, we got some great pizza and some great food at this place called Cetabello on, on Colorado, and it's so good. I wish they would listen to this and like give sponsor our church with free pizzas. Um, let's, we can pray, right? We can pray. But I was just sitting there looking at, at Rebecca. The kids were up with my folks, and um, I was saying, thank you, Jesus, for the kids being with my folks, and that they could even spend time together and get to know each other. And then I was like, man, thank you, Jesus, that I could be out here eating amazing pizza with this beautiful woman. Thank you, Jesus, for the sun that's shining. It's just amazing what happens when you schedule your stopping and, and you start to just be grateful for what you see. The rest that you feel, the rejuvenation that you feel in the process. This is what God made us for, right? And it's been amazing. But I'm gonna be honest, even with the discipline of stopping and settling into moments, I've still, over the past couple weeks, lost sight from time to time of who, of who I was and, and what I'm supposed to do next. I get wrapped up into thinking that I am what I do. Anyone ever think I am what I do? Of course. I start to think that I'm defined by where I've been, that it's my job to make people happy, to win people over. I do. And this is why I put together one final just quarter sheet to wrap up this series. I know you all have a binder by now of uh, things that you've taken home from me. But I just wanted to put this together for you and let this really just be an encouragement for you. If you see them around you, grab one. There's some up front if there's not enough around you. Just grab one and take this home with you. Because I just wanted to remind you, take a moment to remind you of what's true. To let this form you every single day as you remember and as you thank God. Let this form you so you might remember who you are and where you really belong. I've got a couple things up here that's on there. The first is that I am loved by God and others. I need you to remember this. This is who you are. That you are not what you produce. You are more than your possessions. You are defined by what God says. You are more than your mistakes. Anyone ever make a mistake that just keeps following them? No one wants to raise their hand on that one, right? You are alive to show the world what God is like. That's you. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, <laughs> you are alive to show the world what God is like. And finally, you are gifted by God to be fruitful in the world. This is who you are. This is why God made you and how God made you and this is why he says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. He wants to give you rest so you might experience the good life with him. So you might remember who you are and what your assignments have been given. And so as we close today, I just want to pray for you as we go. Um, but please take this with you. Put it anywhere that you see it often, whether it's a bathroom or whether it's uh, your phone's wallpaper or whatever it might be. Take it with you. Put it somewhere because everyone needs the counterformation from God in their life. Let this form you daily as we work to show the world what God is like. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm just going to dismiss you with a benediction. Um, but thanks so much for being here and committing to this practice with us. Um, let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. 
We say thank you again, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done and all that you've taught us over the past month as you're leading us to this good life that on our own we would never find, God. We, we hear you say, even in this moment, come to me, let me show you the way. And so, God, we just humbly stand before you and we say yes. We say yes, God. We want, we want this life of rest. We want the easy yoke. God, we want to be able to cast our burdens down so we might experience life as it was always intended to be. So God, we ask that you would just be with us in this week. We thank you for your presence, but God, give us reminders because on our own, we're still going to get distracted. So God, just give us some reminders throughout the week. During the week, God, just encourage us to reach out to one another too, that we might encourage one another into this practice of rest, that we'd remind each other of who we are and what we're assigned God, that, that, that your work really makes its way into every single avenue of this world. And so, God, help us see what we do on your behalf. Help us see what we do with eternal impact and that we're doing it not for our own benefit, 